Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Hold on. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Attention all basketball fans. CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risher along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And yes, we had a busy night in the NBA we had a busy night in the NHL. We got one team advanced. One team is one is one more win from advancing. But we got to start with the big trade in the NFL uh, that happened on Sunday. That's Julio Jones. Julio Jones was traded from the Falcons to the Titans. Uh, the, uh, the, the Falcons received a second-round pick this year, a fourth-round pick in 2023. And the Titans received a sixth-round pick in 2023. So, you know, m- my take on this trade is obviously looking at it on the Titans side, I think this Titans offense is going to be – Tremendously explosive now. They got A.J. Brown, who's a, who is a number one receiver. You got Julio Jones. Yes, he missed seven games last year, but he, he is still proved to be one of the top receivers in the league. You have the best running back in football in Derrick Henry. You have an offensive line that's, a, that's average. I, mean, I think with Taylor Lewan back, it'll be, you know, I think it'll be about average to above average. So, you know, but the big question is going to be is Ryan Tannehill. Is Ryan Tannehill going to be the guy to lead the Titans to a championship? Because in my opinion, you know, yes, he won two playoff games, but a lot of those playoff games, he was carried by Derrick Henry. He threw for under 100 yards in both those playoff games. He was carried by Derrick Henry in, in those two playoff wins he had in, in 2019. And then when they had when they had to win a when they had to win a playoff game that year, uh when they, when they had to win a playoff when they had to win a playoff game that year, uh he he was not good at all. He 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 was he he he, he, he I mean, they were they, they were they were down 10 and he he did not come through in the AFC Championship game. So the big question is what's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the Titans, they're going to be right there with the Colts. I think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender too. And for the Falcons, I just feel like there's really no direction with this organization. I mean, they decided to bring Matt Ryan back. They draft Kyle Pitts. Then they trade Julio Jones because they're so over the, they, they, they're so over the cap. Thomas Dimitrioff put them in cap hell. They put the new, he put the new GM in such cap hell where they couldn't sign their draft picks and not have to trade Julio Jones. So for the Titans, big move. They're Super Bowl contenders for the Falcons. There's really no sense in direction for them. The first question I'll ask you, though, is, is are Julio Jones and uh, A.J. Brown, Justin, the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? 
I'd put him second behind Tampa Bay's Mike uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I have him second uh, just because of production. I know and Adrian Brown looks like one of the best young wide receivers right now in the league. Julio's kind of always been has been banged up the last few years. Um, but what Evans and Godwin have done, um, especially last year winning the Super Bowl, I'd put them right behind there, but it's close. They're definitely number two on the list. Um, but I, I have them a little bit behind Evans and Godwin. Um, you know, look, if, if Puglia could stay on the field and, you know, hopefully play 15, 16 games, I expect A.J. Brown to play even better this year because he's going to have so much more soft coverage because most of the time, Julio's probably going to get the double team. So I could see them, you know, Jones, Jones and um, Brown passing maybe. Evans got one at the end of the year, but right now I got Godwin and Evans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I got Godwin's, Godwin and Evans being the top, the, the best wide receiver duo in the league, but I do have a – AJ Brown and Julio Jones second, the second best duo in the league in terms of wide receivers. Uh, but for the Titans, if I look at the Titans, and the big the big question is going to be is, are they the best team in the AFC South? I'm going to say no. I still think it's the Colts because I do I do like Carson Wentz with Frank Wright. I like that combination. Uh, I like the Colts roster. I like their running game. I like their I like their I like their offensive line better than the Titans, and I absolutely like their defense better than the Titans. And let's be honest, I like their with their quarter if their quarterback is playing the way he should, I like their quarterback better than, than I like. I like Carson Wentz better than, than I like Ryan Tannehill. So I do think the Colts are uh, even though the Titans got Julio Jones, I think the Colts are a little bit still a little are a little bit better than the Titans. I know the Titans won the division last year, but let's not forget the Colts won eleven games with Philip with with Philip Rivers as their quarterback. I think they upgraded a quarterback with Carson Wentz. So I do think the Colts are the best team in the division. Ultimately, the biggest reason is because of their defense. The Colts had one of the be- the top defenses in the league last year with the Forrest Buckner, with Darius Leonard, uh, with Xavier Rhodes, uh, and they did add Quiddy Payne in the offseason too. So I think the Colts have a top 10 defense. The Titans, their defense is in the bottom half of the league. A big reason for that is they can't get off the field on third down. They were they were second to last in the NFL in sacks, I think, with 17 last year. They did add Bud Dupree. They drafted Caleb Farley. But Caleb Barley has injury history. Bud Dupree's coming off an ACL tear. So I think because of the defense, the Titans are not the best team in the AFC South. The Colts are. But, Justin, in your opinion, are the Titans the best team in the AFC South because of this move? I'm still with you second. It's a defense for me. I know, yeah, Colts off in the line's a bit better as well. But it's a defense. I just – and you mentioned it. This team could never get off the field last year. Um, look, if they could do it at least, you know – with how good this offense is, as long as the defense gets a, a handful of stops on even a game, they should be able to win mo- majority of their games. But the defense had trouble doing that last year, and I don't, you know, yeah, they got Bud Dupree coming off the injury set and barely coming off, you know, another back surgery. So, you know, I don't know how much if this defense has improved it. You know, the defense, the Titan defense is gonna is gonna be improved. Um, so. I don't see any much improvement from the Titans defense. So I still got the Colts, especially with Wentz. You know, I expect them to – coming over from Philly, I expect them to kind of be a new person now, and I expect them to kind of have a – you know, he, he's got a fresh start now, so I expect them to play a lot better than how his Eagles tenure ended. So right now they're the Colts, but it is close. It's very, very close. Now, you could still be a Super Bowl contender – even if you're not the best team in your division. And that's what I think the Titans are. I still think the Titans are a Super Bowl contender. I think they're 11, an 11-win 11 team. I got them at 11-6 and six right now, right behind the Colts in the AFC South. I got this team as a wild-card team in the playoffs. Uh, I, I, think they're, I, think, I think they're a Super Bowl contender along with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, 
uh, the Cleveland Browns and the and obviously the Colts and, and the Titans. I think they're a top six team in the AFC with this move. I, and you got to be you probably upset. You're probably upset as a Patriot fan. That was probably a game you were thinking on that schedule. Maybe the Patriots would win. Now, seeing that they lost out on the Julio Jones sweepstakes, that could be another game that the Patriots could lose. So I have them as a top six team in the AFC. I got the team as a playoff as a playoff team, and I got them as a Super Bowl contender. Justin, are they Super Bowl contenders? Uh, with them getting Julio Jones, are they Super Bowl contenders? Oh yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you. You know, defense really doesn't win championships anymore. It's offense, and this in the tight down, even before Julio Jones, they still had a really good offense, and now obviously it's even better now. Um, again, they're going to be able to put up points against anybody, and you know they're, they're going to be able to keep pace with the with the Chiefs, the Bills. You know, obviously the the question is, can their defense get off the field in those games? But offensively, they they can keep up with anybody in the entire league. So. Yeah, I see this team as a uh, as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I I I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do because their defense with some of the pieces they have, they won't be a great defense, but they could have potential to be you know average. And that's really all you have to be to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs uh, two years ago; they had an average defense. They still were able to win a Super Bowl. So and as long as their defense is average, I feel like they have a chance to compete. But also another issue with them is the quarterback. The quarterback, I don't know if the quarterback is good enough to be a championship caliber quarterback. I don't think because we are, because we know Ryan Tannehill was two playoff games where he, he won, he threw for under a hundred yards. Then obviously in that Kansas city game, we had to step up, got down two scores. The game was over. He really couldn't do anything. So I, I think they are a Super Bowl contender. I think their defense will be a little bit better. It'll be really interesting to see. I'm really excited to watch that offense, but I think the one piece that's going to hold them back, that offense back is going to be Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Tannehill has proven to be a good quarterback but he's nowhere near an elite quarterback, and he's arguably not a top 15 quarterback in the, in the league. You saw last year in the playoffs too. You know, game on the line, he throws an interception. So I think he's the one He's the one piece, he's the one thing that could hold this Titans team back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, obviously he's improved since coming from Miami. But, yeah, you know, it, it really has helped him to have – it will help him to get away from Adam Gase. But it really it helps, helps anyone, him to, else anyone to get away from Adam Gase. Yeah, yeah, no one does. But you know, not you know, but having Derrick Henry in that backfield, um, you know, he had Corey Davis, AJ Brown, you know, he's played better. But yeah, he's no superstar, and yeah, to win a Super Bowl, you gotta have that big time quarterback that can step up in a big game in a big moment. And we haven't really seen that yet from Tannehill, and that's a big thing. Now you add another top wide receiver like Julio, definitely helps because you throw it anywhere in the vicinity, and Julio is gonna come down with the ball. But yeah, that's the it's it's the big thing, you know. Hopefully. You know, um, I think their running game could even op- open up even more. So I think for Tannehill, too, is as long as you need to be the good game manager and not make the mistakes, this offense should be fine. But, you know, he's going to have to make some big plays to beat a Kansas City and beat the Bills. And I don't – yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if he – if he's a quarterback that can do that yet. Yeah, I mean, he proved he could win some playoff games – by Henry having big games and their defense playing well, but their defense isn't going to be the defense they had in 2019. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson. Last year, he lost to Lamar Jackson when the Ravens only scored 20 points. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with, with those guys. I, I just I just don't know, know that. But I do stab them as a, Super Bowl, as a Super Bowl contender because of the talent they have on offense, but they're definitely not my favorite to win the AFC South, and they're definitely not my favorite in the AFC. You know, I'm with you. I got him second in the AFC South. Yeah, I think they get one of the wild cards. I believe probably the first wild card. I I would 
you know, we're at the moment I I take the Titans to get, but yeah, you know, I I'm with you. I don't know if Tannehill's that guy that yeah they could keep up with the Mahomes or Allen's. It's it's gonna be tough. He's got the he's got the pieces around him to help him. Now it's on him, and he's got to take that next up. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll look at the Falcons' perspective of this trade, and obviously they 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 save cap space by trading Julio Jones, but. You know, the problem is this team is not close to being a Super Bowl contender. I know Matt Ryan had a decent year last year, but he's kind of fallen off a little bit as a quarterback. He's getting older. They did draft Kyle Pitts. I think he could be a stud. I think this actually makes makes more of a case for Kyle Pitts to be the offensive rookie of the year because he's going to put up – I think he's going to put up huge numbers uh, this year. But the problem is the defense is not good. Is not good. I mean, yeah, Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones are good pieces, but they need definitely need more than that. I just feel like the Falcons are a team right now with, with really no direction, and I think they really – could have traded Julio Jones earlier, and now they really missed out on getting a future for one of the uh, on getting their franchise quarterback of the future this year because they they could have had an opportunity to draft the Trey Lance, they could have had the opportunity to draft a uh, to draft the Justin Fields, they could have had the opportunity to draft one of those two guys, but they but they wanted to stick with Matt Ryan, and then they end up trading Julio Jones. So it just seems like this team is just there's there's no direction with the Falcons. They're the worst team in the AFC South. It looks like they're destined for a, you know a five and twelve, four and thirteen season, and Arthur Smith's first year. Yeah, I'm with you. It's 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 weird. Yeah, you know, because the rumors have been all you know they've been thinking about trying to change Julio Jones the last like three years, and yeah, the last few you could have got a first round for him, but yeah, and that's another thing. That's more. another thing. They couldn't even get a first round pick for Julio Jones. Who would have thought that ever been possible? Yeah, because that's yeah. not good value. That's not it's not good value not getting a first round pick for Julio Jones. I mean, he's been the, the yeah. best player in your franchise for the last ten years. I mean, he's been probably one of the best. He was probably one of the best receivers in this league for probably you know a a, five, a four or five year period. So I just think that's really really bad on the Falcons not getting a first round pick for him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, because they they've had they, you know they had the chances beforehand. They kind of thought they could make another run at this thing. After, you know, as the Patriots beat him a few years ago in the Super Bowl, they and they haven't. And I'm with you. It's just yeah, it's an organization that there's no direction. You know. Offensively, they could probably put up, you know, they could still put up some points, but defensively, they're not going to be any good. And yet, the, the NFC South is one of the toughest divisions in the entire league with the Saints. You know, I obviously with the Saints, I know Breeze is gone, but they're, you know, with Sean Payton there, they're still going to be one of the best teams in, in the league. Tampa Bay, and I think Carolina's going to be improved that they got McCaffrey back. So, yeah, it's, I'm with, it's going to be like another four or five win team for, you know, year for Atlanta. And, Maybe next year in the draft they pull it, pull for a quarterback because there's a it's going to be a good class for that. Yeah, I think I think this is Matt Ryan's last year. I think they go yeah. five and twelve. They finally, you know, the new GM Arthur Smith. They finally say we're done with Matt Ryan. We're gonna we're gonna look to, to look to improve at the quarterback position. I think this is going to be Matt Ryan's. I think it's pretty safe to say this will be Matt Ryan's last season in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think you know, yeah, you know, and maybe or maybe Arthur Smith wanted an actual full year of evaluating all the next year quarterbacks before pulling the trigger in April, you know, just getting the job of the last few months. Maybe I don't, you know, I don't know if something I just came up with, but yeah, I assume this is going to be it for Matt Ryan. In Atlanta. Absolutely. 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 So speaking of Matt Ryan, we'll go to another quarterback and, and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, who was not at mandatory mini camp yesterday for the Packers. And there's starting to be a concern, even though Packer players, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari have backed him. There's got to start to be some sort of a concern that, he does. He does not want to be here. I mean, I know the Packers are saying, "Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's going. This is fixable. This is fixable." 
I don't know. I'm in the middle right now. I don't know if this I, last week I felt like things were fixable between Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know if things are fixable between Rodgers and the Packers. And I'm starting to get this feeling they may they they they, they may just want to move on with Jordan Love. But I'm in the middle right now. I really have it's just too close. It's 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 too tough. It's so tough to call what's going to happen with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers right now because they didn't want to trade him on draft night when he said, "Oh, I want out of here." So it's just it's so close to call. What's going to happen? It's too tough, too, too tough to tell what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, it is. I'm not shocked that he didn't show up to minicamp. You figure that was going to happen. Um, yeah, it, it's it's weird. You know, I still think they could try to figure a way around this and be able to fix it. But, yeah, it looks slimmer by the day. Um, you know, because for the Packers' sake, I, I heard Jordan Love is not impressing anybody. I guess in his first two-minute drill – Barely got past the 50, and I guess he missed Malik Taylor wide open on a fourth down. So, uh, it, you know, they're, they're going to need Rodgers. Jordan Love's not ready. I still think the pa- – I don't think the Packers are ever going to trade him. Um, I, I think they're going to give him the ultimatum of, okay, we'll find you, retire, or just wait it out the next three years and go to free agency, you know. Um, we're not trading him. So, I, I don't think the Packers are going to trade him no matter what, unless they get the craziest offer in the world that they cannot turn down. But I don't know what team would offer that would offer something like that. So I I think he's going to be a Packer. I don't know. I think in the end, he'll, I think he, I think he'll play, but I think it's going to take a lot of convincing. Yeah. It's weird to see what's going on now with, with them. It's just so weird. He's holding out right now. Uh, he's not. He's not at OTAs. I mean, no, the players are all backing him, but I just, I don't, I don't know where this is going. I, I just, I really don't. I mean, it, he he planted the seed on draft. Now he wanted out. I mean, this thing is just, it's just a, now it's now it's a major distraction. It's a major distraction with Matt Lafleur. He really can't coach his team the way he wants to. He can't give uh, Aaron Rodgers the reps that he needs to give him. I think this is just a major distraction. The Packers, you know, and then in the next month or so, they got to decide what they're going to do. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, you know, they're going to have to ask Rodgers what he wants to do if he's going to play or, you know, or is he going to sit out? You know, I, I again, I don't – the Packers do have to kind of figure out what they want to do future-wise. You know, if he does if he does want to hold out, I, I still just do not think the Packers will trade him. You know, just because, again, he's one of the best all time. I don't, I don't think they could trade him, especially an organization like the Packers. That fan base is, you know, would not be happy with that. And, you know, I know, but I, yeah, in the next month, Packers kind of got to figure things out of, and find out if Rodgers is going to show up anytime soon before preseason starts. And it, because Jordan's love, not Jordan Love is not ready. So I don't know if they would throw him out there in the fire or they go try to, Find you know find somebody for a year or whatever and try to patch things up. I don't you know, yeah it it, it is a mess right now in Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, we'll see and we'll be monitoring the situation you know throughout the offseason with Aaron Rodgers. But we got to wrap up our NFL talk talking uh, talking about some unfortunate news. And as a Giants fan, this was the first coach that I had grown up with. I don't know if Jace was old enough to remember him coaching the Giants. I mean, he could, he could let us know or not. But unfortunately, yesterday Jim Fossil passed away at the age of seventy one. The biggest memory of Jim Fossil, uh, obviously, was in that 2000 season when he the Giants were seven and four, and uh, they just came off two bad losses. They came off a loss to the Rams 
and Jace could pull up the schedule and, and see if I'm right about this. They came off a loss to the Rams uh, and when they 38-21 without Kurt Warner, lost to the Rams with with, uh, with Mark with uh, with a, with a backup with when they started their backup quarterback. They they they, they then lost to the Lions. They got embarrassed to the Lions at home, and they were seven and four. And in the middle of the week before they were playing the Cardinals, I remember. I think I think this was the week of Thanksgiving. He went in that locker room and said. This team is going to the play. He went in the press. He went into his press conference and said, "This team is going to the playoffs. This team is going to the playoffs." So he guaranteed they were going to the playoffs. The next week they go on. They beat the Arizona Cardinals. They get a huge win in Washington the next week. Then they end up. They end up beat. Then they end up beating. Uh, I think. I think they ended up beating Pittsburgh the week after that. They crushed Pittsburgh at home, and then they uh, they they beat they beat the Cowboys uh, to win the division in Dallas. They won in Jacksonville, and that that and then they clinched the number one seed in the NFC. They went on to beat the Eagles in the game where Ron Dixon had the big kick return to open the game, and then Jason Seahorn had the uh, interception return uh, to put the Giants up seventeen nothing. They ended up winning twenty to ten, and then they had the crazy game against they had the, they had the game against Minnesota where they crushed Minnesota. Terry Collins threw five touchdown passes. They won forty one nothing, and then we all know how it ended in the Super Bowl when the Ravens beat them thirty four to seven. But that was his shining moment that two thousand season with the Giants. When they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Ravens, I mean, other years where he, where he had success was '97, his first year. We won Coach of the Year. Uh, the Giants went 10-5 and one. They, they lost to the Vikings in the wild card round. Uh, 2002 got the Giants to the playoffs, but as Giants fans, we all know how that ended. They blew that 38 to 14 lead against the Cardinals, and then the other seasons. Uh, he had a couple. He had like three seven. He had a couple seven and nines in there. I think he had two seven and nines in '99 uh, and 2001. '98 went eight and eight, and then. Uh, 2003 on, went four and 12. That team fell apart. Ultimately, he was fired. I actually was at his last game. He coached against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the year the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, I was at the last game. Jim Fossil coached that year in 2003. The year the Giants went four and 12. So yeah, Jim Fossil. Jim Fossil was 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 fired after 2004, 2003, and the rest was history for the Giants after that. As uh, as Tom Coughlin gets hired, they draft Eli Manning. They beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. They don't have a losing season from 2005 to 2012. So the rest was history after that. Yeah. But uh. Uh, but uh, yes, and and uh, Jace, uh, Jace just sent a comment. He coached uh, the Giants and Utah. I know Coach Fossil. He, it's really sad he's gone. I don't know. Did, did, did you? It's all so. So did did Jace? You ever meet him in person? Or I wonder if you ever met him in person. But yeah, he's a really really good guy, and he was a good coach for the Giants. I mean, I mean, he wasn't obviously Tom Coughlin, but he was a really good coach for the Giants. I mean, you can get a team to the Super Bowl. That's really good. I mean, that's re- that's really good. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. And his son, we obviously know, has been a special teams coach for years with the Rams. He was a special teams coach for the Rams for years, and this year was a special teams coach for the Cowboys. So, really, really sad day around the Giants community. And our condolences go out to the Fossil family. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, condolences out to the family. Um, yeah, you know, obviously, yeah. Um, that Giant, you know, um, had the. Yeah, you know, it was surprising that he didn't get another shot after the Giants fired. I, you know, um, getting the Super Bowl, I figured, you know, maybe most of his career was, yeah, as a coordinator. Definitely, you know, had the shot at Utah. Um, but, you know, um, when he was a head coach, you know, John Fox was assistant with him, you know, Sean Payton, and then Dwayne Walker, who used to coach New Mexico State. So he's got a nice little, like, coaching tree that he's kind of been able to develop a guy like Fox and Payton. Um but yeah, you know, kind of, you know, like an up and down kind of for the Giants, you know, with the yeah, the two seven and nine Super Bowl win, but uh, or the losses who will get getting there, 
Um, but yeah, you know, seems like a really solid, you know, really solid person. Was coaching for a while, you know, took took him a while to kind of get that head coaching gig and was around for a while. But um, yeah, you know, it was good that he was able to get a shot and be able to get the Giants close to that, to, you know, one game away from going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I actually was at that Super Bowl against the Ravens in, oh, in 2000. Yeah, I was at that game. Oh, wow. Kerry Collins with those four picks in Tampa. So, yeah, I was only 10 years old, but it was actually the day a day after day after my 10th birthday. So, I was at oh, that okay. game. Yeah. So, a nice birthday present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a tough loss, but it was nice being at yeah. the Super Bowl. So, oh, yeah. but. But all, but our, our condolences are out to the Fossil family, to John, who is the special teams coach in Dallas, too. So our condolences to the Fossil family, and we hope we hope everything, we hope we hope we hope they they, they are they're going they're uh, hanging in there right now. But we ha- we had a busy night in the NBA. We had two big series uh, last night. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media Group. The Seattle management isn't giving you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, LeBron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. So big night in the NBA last night. We know Jace is happy because his Utah Jazz beat the Clipper, the LA Clippers last night, uh, one twelve to one oh nine, and that was a really good game last night. And how about the performance from Donovan Mitchell? Forty five points by Donovan Mitchell. It's it's obvious right now. He is the best Jazz player since Carl Malone. He is a superstar in this league. He's a top fifteen player in this league. The guy is is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he did. He was. He could. Shoot, he could shoot threes. He could drive to the basket. Donovan Mitchell was was great. And 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 and. Uh, the big thing was is Kawhi and Paul George didn't have their best games last night. And I think a lot of that was the, the travel, the travel uh, back and forth from, uh, from you know, all the travel. You know, they, they, they lost game five against the Mavericks, had to travel to Dallas to win game six, then had to travel back to L.A. to, to win game seven. Now they got to travel to Utah. So this team is kind of fatigued right now. They haven't had a lot of time to prepare. But, I mean, I think the, obviously the biggest difference, though, in the game was Donovan Mitchell completely outplayed Kawhi Leonard. And let me tell you, Kawhi Leonard was lucky last series. You could argue Luke outplayed him in that series, but he was lucky. He had his bench in Game Seven to, to bail him out, and he had Paul George in the other games to bail him out. But he, and, but you do have to give him credit in Game Six. He was outstanding in Game Six. But you could argue Luke outplayed him in that series, and Donovan Mitchell outplayed him in Game One. I mean, if you look at the benches, I mean, because Mike Connolly's hurt, the Clippers bench doubled the scoring of the Jazz bench. But the biggest, the biggest difference in the game was the play of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was outstanding. Paul George struggled going four for seventeen. And Kawhi, I know he had 23 points, but he didn't have his best game last night either. So even so, even though the Jazz are up 1-0, Justin, the question I got for you is, do you still think the Clippers are going to win the series? Yeah, I still have the Clippers win the Saints 7. Um, I just, you know, I know Kawhi did not have his best game last night, but I don't I don't like betting against Kawhi Leonard in the, in the playoffs. You just, that, you know, that face that he had, you know, game six, game seven, it was, you know, like the same kind of, you know, sign I got like 19 when he, when they won with, uh, when Kawhi won with Toronto, you know, that he's just, he's not losing this. And I think late in the series, when they need a big play and a big shot, I think they're going to get it from Kawhi Leonard. Um, so I, I think, yeah, the, the Clippers kind of will figure this out. Obviously Paul George has, I know he had 20 points, but most of that was came from the free throw line. 
you know, I know he had the big shot late, um, but I think those two will play better. And especially in the first half, I thought the Clippers bench played really, really well. I like the way that Zubac played. Um, I know yeah, Zubac Kennard and Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard had a really good, um, yeah, had a really good game off the bench. Yeah, defensively he struggled, but offensively he can score you 18. I think you know you'll take kind of the the issue will give you a little bit defensively, but I, I still do like the Clippers in a close one. Um, but Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he 32 that 32 of his 45 points were in the second half. He he came he came alive in that second half. And that's what a superstar does. They take over the game. And Donovan Mitchell took over that game last night. He did a great job. He did an outstanding job doing that. I mean, he was phenomenal. And it just looks like the Clippers, they really don't they really don't slow down the best player on the other team. I mean, Luka Doncic had a huge series against them and it looks like Donovan Mitchell's on his way to having a big series too. So yeah, so I think the Clippers may have to make some adjustments. I think you saw in that Dallas series that they did that times they doubled Luca, especially in game six out the pick and roll, and they had Kawhi on him at times, a lot of a lot of, a lot in game six and a lot in the second half in game seven. So they're gonna have to make some adjustments of how they defend uh they defend Donovan Mitchell. So you saw because yeah, you saw them do a couple they saw them do a couple of different things to uh to to to, to Luka Doncic uh and that and that and that you know eventually it ended up helping them because the Clippers were the better team. But the thing about the Jazz is the Jazz are a better team than the Mavericks. They they have a better supporting cast than the Mavericks do around their around their superstar. So the Clippers could could do what they did defensively against the against the Mavericks, but it may end up not mattering because you know Donovan Mitchell has just been playing this well in the postseason. I mean, he's just he's just been outstanding. He's a he's just a true superstar. But ultimately, I do think the Clippers still win this series, and here's why. Mike Conley's injury is big because, you know, that means Joe Ingles has got to start and not come off the bench. And I feel like the Clippers have the better bench in this series. And eventually, I think the Clippers have the better number two option in Paul George. And I don't think Paul George is going to shoot four for 17 every game. And I don't think as good as Donovan Mitchell is, I don't think he's going to score 45 points every game. I don't think he's going to outplay Kawhi the way he did in game one. So that's why I still have the Clippers winning this series in six games. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, Donovan Mitchell right now is an absolute superstar. But, yeah, you know, we – we've seen Kawhi Leonard in a big game in the finals, be able to, or even late in the series, be able to make those big clutch shots. You know, Mitchell, you know, obviously isn't got too deep in the playoffs. And I think he's capable of coming up big when his team needs it in a late game six, game seven scenario. And, you know, I do have trust, a little bit more trust right now in Kawhi being able to do that. But yeah, you know, Mike Conley, who played really well against his former team, the Grizzlies, in round one. I'm I'm with you. I think that's gonna be a big loss for him if he if you know if because I don't think he's playing the series, so that'd be a big loss to the Jazz. And that may be the that may be the X that might be yeah. the biggest difference maker there if Mike Conley doesn't play, just because of the two things bench scoring and uh and not having and and the Clippers having the number two option. Now the Clippers have the number two option anyways, but if they have Mike Conley. Their bench, they would the Jazz, I think, would have the better bench. Now I feel like the Clippers have the better bench. Yeah, because outside of Jordan Clarkson, they only got five points from Niang and, and Derek Favors, who they didn't play bad. You know, he's not, I know, the biggest score, but defensively, he played well. But yeah, offensively, they didn't get any production besides Jordan Clarkson. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I know, yeah, the Clippers have like Rondo, who's, who's you know, nothing like he was, but he's, and in, in the playoffs, he always plays well. He's just one of those guys that, you know, you'll pay him at, you know, you'll give him money as long, you know, you'll give him whatever he wants because he'll play well in the playoffs. He'll help you make a run, run deep in, in the playoffs. But, 
yeah, I, I still think the Clippers right now are still a little bit better than than the Jazz. And Jazz in that second half, you know, they just hit shots and they kind of fed off the energy energy of that crowd and were able to do enough. And I expect why, yeah, Paul George to play play better in game number two. It's that three point shooting they've done it all year. They've done it all year. The Jazz is the biggest reason why they were they've been the number one seed. And we'll see what happens in this series. This series, there's one thing that's guaranteed about this series: it's going six or seven. There's right. no doubt about that. Oh yeah, I'm with you. I think it will. I think it's going to be a lot of close games, um, and you know, a lot of big moments that are going to really decide the series. So yeah, this is this is going to be a fun, fun, um, fun series. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll go to the other game last night as the Sixers evened the series against the uh, Hawks as they won 118-102. Joel Embiid, 40 points. Joel Embiid's been phenomenal in the series so far. He's averaging 39.5 points a game in the series. Embiid is just he's, – he's the closest thing uh, we, we, we've, we, we, we've seen since Shaq as a center. I mean, he's, he's just been phenomenal. He's been, he's been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have the skill Jokic has. He, he can't handle the ball or he's not as good of a three-point shooter, but he's as dominant as a center. He's the closest thing I think we've seen since Shaq for how, for how dominant he's been at that position. He's been completely dominant there. Uh, I think that, but I think the biggest reason why the Hawks lost the way they did last night was Trey Young didn't have the game he had in game one. Bagdadovich didn't have the game he had in game one, and neither did Collins have the game. Didn't have the game yet they had in game one. And those guys got to be really good. And they didn't shoot the three the way they did in game one. They shot 23s in game one, and the, and the uh, they they, sh- they shot uh, 23s in game one. Only made 11 threes in in a uh, in game uh, in game two. So and what I wrote in my article was I think that the sixth I think the reason why the Sixers will win the series is because I think I don't think they're going to be able the Hawks are going to be able to contain Embiid. I think the three-point shooting in the Sixers is going to be better, and and there's going to be certain games where the Sixers are going to be able to contain Trey Young, and that's what happened last night. That's why the Sixers won that game last night, and I think still think eventually win the series in six games. So, Justin, you th- still got the Sixers in six? Yeah, I'll still take the Sixers in six games. Um, yeah, for me, I don't know why they waited. The, the why the Sixers waited to put Ben Simmons on Trey Young really to game two. I would have done that right from the opening tip in game one. Um, because really that's, you know, if, if Trey Young's hitting shots, you see that the whole offense opens up because you got to put so much, you know, in the garden, Trey Young, that it opens up for Bogdanovich, you know, and Collins and Gallinari. So, you know, and last night they were able to kind of, you know, and with Simmons too, you don't have to double team Young with Simmons. So then they can't, you know, that doesn't open up, um, three pointers for the other guys. So of Bodamich and Gallinari and other guys. So if they can kind of, if Simmons can guard um, Trey Young the way he did, I think the Sixers um, should be able to win this series in six games. Joel, yeah, Joel Embiid, I, I love watching a play because he, he's a monster down low. You know, 40 points last night, 13 rebounds. You know, he's a decent three-point shooter. So, um, you know, that I guess you kind of have to have nowadays. But, he, yeah, he's, he's just – He's an absolute animal down there. I, I love watching him play. I think, yeah, he'll be able to keep dominating the um, the Atlanta Hawks down low in the series, and he's just going to create more problems. And, again, him double-teaming them just opens up things for Harris and Curry and um, and even Shake Milton, who came off the bench and gave him hit four, a Hit four threes. Hit four threes yeah. last night, Shake Milton. Yeah. You know, in late third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, um, when the Hawks came back, he, he really made the difference. In, in that second half, Shake Millen. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And you talk you talk about Seth Curry. Seth Curry's been phenomenal in the series. He's hit a bunch of threes. He's averaging 20 points a game. Seth Curry was a big X. He's been a big X factor for the Sixers in the postseason because teams have the double end beat. He gets open looks from three, and, and, and he's really taking advantage of it. So, yeah, I mean, he's been probably – the Sixers' third best player in the postseason, Tobias Harris being their second, Seth Curry being their third. I know I mean, you probably say Ben Simmons because of his defense, but Ben Simmons hasn't really scored that much this postseason. So Seth Curry has really stepped up for the Sixers team. And uh, I, I think in this series, I just think the biggest the biggest difference is going to be is is I just don't think that the Hawks have any consistent number two. I think, and we, I think Collins and uh, Bagdanovich are up and down. In terms of being a number two, and I think that I don't think that MB that Trey Young is going to going to play as well. Is Trey Young is going to be as consistent as Embiid? So I th- that's why I got the Sixers winning this series in six games. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, again, Joel Embiid. I think is the best player in this series, and usually in the NBA, if you have the best player in the series, you're going to be able to win that, win that, um, win the series. So yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take Embiid because. Too, with the way you know it, I I would assume Simmons is going to keep guarding Young, and I and that's going to kind of control Young well enough for for the for the Sixers to be able to do enough. I think yeah, Atlanta will get Game Three, Game Four at home, but Sixers will win six. Absolutely, absolutely. So it uh, should be interesting to see what happens with the Sixers. But now we'll talk about who will probably be their opponent, and that's the Nets. And the Nets have just been dominated against the against the, against the Bucks. I mean, Monday night was just such an embarrassment for the Bucks—a total embarrassment. And Giannis too. I'm tired of hearing about good Giannis. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of hearing about good Giannis. The guy's three for twenty-four from three-point range. You could argue right now he's not even a top-five player in the NBA. Yes, the guy's great defensively. He's better than anyone getting to the basket. But where is the three-point shot that you need to be to be a top player in this league. You look at the top players in this league. LeBron can still shoot threes. Durant is phenomenal from three-point range. Uh, you look at Curry, obviously, the best. Uh, Harden, Kawhi, all can shoot threes. Luka, all can shoot threes. What about Giannis? Where's the three-point shot? I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I'm tired of hearing how good the guy is. I'm tired of these playoff performances that are just not good at all. These playoff perform- performances I'm tired of. He had a two-time MVP. He can't even get to the NBA Finals. And yes, this year I give him a little bit of a break. He's facing the Nets. But the last two years, were completely inexcusable. He should he should have definitely got to the finals at least one of those years. And this year he gets a break. No James Harden, but the typical Giannis doesn't take advantage of it. Bucks are down 0-2. And Justin, the question I got is: Is there any way the Bucks get back in the series? Because I don't see it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a sweep. No. No. Uh, and I would assume you've heard the comments of KD what he thinks of Giannis. Um, and it, Jay Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Williams said that, and then KD refuted him. Refuted what he said. Okay, but okay. Um, I didn't hear that. But look, you know, KD's been unbelievable. I'm with you. I thought when James Harden went down game one, I'm like, Milwaukee's got a chance here to kind of steal a game, and they couldn't do it. And talking about Giannis, the other thing, yeah, obviously the three point ball, but it's even at the free throw line too. He's awful because so when stars have off nights, like he, you know. Those guys can get to the line 10, 11 times, and they'll hit 9 to 10 of them. They'll, you know, Giannis can't even do that. He can't even kind of – he can't even bail himself out, you know, um, at, at the line. You know, I don't really like his basketball IQ either. It's not the greatest. So, I, I'm with you. I, I I don't have him in my top five right now. I, I think he's a tremendous player. I hope one day he's able to lead Milwaukee to a title. But right now, no, he's got to be able to hit threes. 
Chris Middleton, you know, ha- has some blame because what he went over eight in that first quarter. He pretty much shot shot them out of the game on Monday night. But yeah, that was an absolute embarrassment by the Bucks. Um, I just that there's no you know without James Harden and I still get blown out by forty nine. It's just you know it's it's embarrassing and. You know, I would love to say, well, the Bucks are going to respond here and play a great game tomorrow night, but I don't, you know, maybe they get, maybe they do get the win, but I still think Brooklyn is, is, is better than them right now. I would be surprised if it's a sweep. And I honestly, I'm in Brooklyn. I just sit James, I sit James Harden until, until the Bucks win a game. I sit James Harden, get him healthy. I'm sorry. I, I said him. I mean, there's just no reason to bring him back for a team that's just for a team they're playing that just you've seen this movie before with the Bucks. You saw it two years ago in the conference finals when they lost four in a row to the Raptors to not reach the NBA finals. You saw it last year when they lost to the Heat. You've seen this movie before with the Bucks. They get to the postseason and and, and, and Giannis and that team is just it's just different. They're just not as good. And I've seen it, you've just, just seen it too many times. And ultimately I feel like Mike Bootenholzer's gonna take the fall for this because he's the head coach. But ultimately, the front office has got to get Giannis at number two, and Giannis has got to improve. I'm sorry, Giannis has got to develop that three point shot. I'm, t- I'm tired of hearing about how good Giannis is, and, and and seeing so many playoff performances that are just not are not great performances. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, because yeah, it's obviously it's a three point league, and you know, to be able to be able to help your team get a title, you're gonna have to hit that shot, and yeah. Three for 24, it's absolutely not going to cut it. And Three for 24, one of the lowest shooting percentages of anyone in the postseason. Three-point shooting yeah. percentages of anyone in the postseason. That's not surprising. And, you know, and again, that's who will be one of the best players in the game. And that just can't, it can't happen anymore, you know. You can't get away with that. And that that's obviously an issue. And, again, it just, you know, and with how good KD is, you know, he's he's – really good defensively that he can slow down Giannis on the drive. You know, he's been able to do that where, you know, sometimes Giannis, yeah, can take advantage against a weaker defender, but not when KD's on him. He's not going to be able to do that. And, you know, we had 18-11, but look, you know, two for seven from the line. He went over three from three-point land. Again, I know he had a double-double, but he's got to play a lot better than that to have his team, you know, be able to, you know, at least maybe try to get a win or two and, We'll, and, you know, with this too, and, you know, talking about Bunheiser, we'll see how much his team, you know, likes him and, and responds to him because if they want him as their head coach, I think you, you're going to see an A-plus effort. If, you know, they kind of just lie down here and just, you know, don't give him much fight, then obviously, you know, maybe the change is probably going to be the best thing for Milwaukee. So we'll see, you know. But, yeah, this this thing this thing's ugly, and I – Maybe see the Bucks getting either game three or game four, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised either to see the Brooklyn Nets sweep them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Just the way things are going there, I would, I would not either. And obviously, the Nets are, are rolling. Kevin Durant's the best player in the game. Kyrie's doing his thing. It feels like they don't even need James Harden right now. They don't even need to be healthy to win right now. They're clearly the best team in the league and clearly the favorite to win the NBA championship. Oh, oh, yeah. And even Blake Griffin the other night. Blake Griffin looked kind of looked like the guy from five years ago in L.A. I know he had seven and eight, but the athleticism, we really didn't see at all in Detroit. You know, he, even with Blake Griffin in that lineup, they, they've looked really – they've looked good. And, yeah, they don't they don't need a hard James Harden at the moment. And I'm with you. Until he's healthy 100% or until the Bucks kind of show some fight and life here, I, I definitely sit in him. 
get him ready for probably the Philadelphia 76ers, who's probably going to need him then. But um, I wanted to bring up this too quickly. Yep. I think Brooklyn, I think it would be the worst thing for the NBA if Brooklyn wins the NBA championship just for the league in whole. Because I think it shows that in the regular season, you don't have to play any defense. I think load management's going to get even worse. And it's going to show some stars that just want buyouts, that just want to go play for contenders. Yeah, I, yep. I think it could be like one of the worst things if the if the Nets win this thing. Yeah, and I think they are. I think. No, oh, they, they. I think they are too. And I agree with you there. Yeah, it's, it looks like you can just sit players. You could just you know not play hard in the regular season, uh, not play, not lock down on defense. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it could very easily be one of the worst things that happens if the Nets win the championship. Yeah, it just shows that the regular season really does not matter. And again, you know. For some of these older teams, I, you know, for some of those teams that have the superstars, I get it and I understand, but it's a terrible product, I feel like, for the NBA, you know, because I know they want to spotlight these teams on national TV, you know, in the regular season, but, you know, it's not going to be great basketball if it's load management. So, obviously, I think the Nets are going to win this thing, but I think it, you know, yeah, it would be the worst thing for the for the sport. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So before we get to the last series, we've got to talk about a player on one of those teams, and that's Nikola Jokic who won the MVP. And listen, Jokic is doing things. I, I said I did say that Embiid uh, could be could be could be having one of the best seasons as a center since, since Shaq. Jokic might be even having a better year because of what Jokic can do and what and what he's done for this team. I mean, they lose Jamal Murray, they're still the number three seed. You just see what Jokic can do. He can shoot these shoots the three better than any center. He handles the ball better than any center. He's done things. He does things that a center doesn't do, and he's done things we've never seen a center do. There is not a more skilled center in the NBA than Nikola Jokic, and he's the one center I would say you you you, you could win a championship with him as your best player. Embiid, eh, that's tough because he's not as good of a three-point shooter and doesn't handle the ball. Jokic is the one center I would say you could win a championship with him as your best player, and that's why he rightfully so won the MVP this year, and I feel like he deserved the MVP. If you look at the other players, you know, uh, LeBron missed a ton of time. KD you know, had 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 Harden on his team. Same thing with James Harden. He had James Harden on his team. Steph Curry was in consideration, but team team didn't have 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 as much success as the Warriors didn't have as much success as the Nuggets. Giannis, you can forget about him. He won it the last two years, and he and he's and he's looked far from an MVP in this postseason. Uh, and then and Luca, you could argue with Luca, but I feel like you know Jokic's team went further, so I think Jokic is deserving of the MVP. Oh, I'm with you. You know, he's just a, such a uh, fake. <laughs> Jace is always sticking up for his Utah Jazz. Fake MVP, Donovan. Hey, I'm... maybe Donovan Mitchell could prove it if they play in the conference finals. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Jace is always sticking up for those Utah Jazz. For I Utah think one Jazz. year Donovan. I one year Donovan and Mitchell will get an MVP. I, I I do think he will one day. Um, but yeah, Jokic. I put Jokic in my top five just because of how unique he is. We, I you know, there's never been a guy. You know, that plays a center position like this, and he does it all. You know, he's a seven foot point guard, and how this guy was a second round pick is beyond me. And he's he's developed into a superstar. Um, he rightfully deserves it, especially the way that Murray went down. I thought this Nuggets team may fall apart. I thought you know I knew Joker was a good player and kind of could keep them their heads above water, but they they played well, and I know um, they lost a tough one game one the other night but you know this to think that to me to think that this team was gonna be a three seed and be able to um get the conference semifinals without murray 
I thought it was gonna be a tough task, but yeah, Joker is just a great player. He just yeah, he just he does everything so well, and you know, for a guy his size, it's very very rare, and he he definitely deserves it. And um, you know, they, you know, him and Murray hopefully one year could, you know, both stay healthy, and you know, I love to see that Nugget team, you know, make another run because I do think the Suns are gonna knock them off, but. Yeah, Joker definitely deserving the MVP. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's, he had a phenomenal season, and he and without him, the Nuggets are nowhere near the number three seed. That, that's for sure. Oh yeah, no, oh yeah, definitely. I think that they may have been a playoff, maybe a playing team, but um, yeah, without him, this this team would not not be very good at all. So yeah, um, so much credit to him, and you know, again, I guess. One of the guys that really goes underappreciated it because of just how unique he is. We just don't see centers like this at all, and it's very rare. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully yeah, the Nuggets can make a run because he deserves to be in the spotlight. Absolutely. He absolutely does. But we'll talk about, the, you know, his team now who was down 0-1 against the Phoenix Suns. And uh, I think the biggest difference in this series is going to be the guard play on both teams. Uh, in, in game one, the uh, Suns backcourt, backcourt outscored the outscored the uh, Nuggets backcourt 42-21. to uh, Booker and CP3 at 21. CP3 was huge in the fourth quarter uh, on Monday night. Uh, and the Nuggets backcourt, uh, Composo at 14 and Rivers only at 7. So I think the backcourt is going to be the biggest difference. And – and the biggest question in the series is, is Michael Porter Jr. going to step up like he did in the series against Portland and be, and be that number two to Jokic? Because Jamal Murray's out. They need Porter to be that number two. And 15 points is not enough to beat the Suns team. He can't have 50. He can't be, he can't be scoring 15 points. He's got to be averaging at least 20 points a game if the Nuggets are going to advance. Because Jokic needs that second option. Because the Suns, I mean, because Booker has that, those two options, even three options, with the way DeAndre Ayton's been playing and, the way, and, and obviously Chris Paul. Uh, uh, Booker has those two options. I mean, Jokic is the better player than Booker, but I feel like the Suns have the better team. The Nuggets, they need Michael Porter Jr. to step up if they want any chance of winning the series because the guard play is probably not going to get it done. That's going to be the big difference. Porter Jr. has got to step up for the Nuggets to have any chance. And Justin, for you, uh, what has happened for the Nuggets to have a chance to win the series? I think it's a pretty obvious one. Porter Jr. has got to step up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's got to step up. I know they may get Will Barton. He's a game-time decision tonight, which would help just their guard depth because, yeah, I'm with you. Their guard depth, you know, for the Nuggets, is it's a different maker. But, yeah, and with that being said, it definitely has to be Michael Porter Jr. Um, he, He's got to play like he did in the, in the first round against Portland and because he was a big reason why they won that series. Um, And, yeah, if he can't step up, you know, again, Austin Rivers is not going to be able to score – you know, 30 points for you. You know, I know he did that one game against the Trailblazers, but it's not going to happen very often. You know, Jermichael Green played well getting a double-double, but he's another guy you really can't rely on. They're kind of searching for that for that other guy. And I know they get Will Barnt back. I know, you know, he's decent. I, you know, I would, you know, you're in trouble if he's your, your number two option right now. But, um, you know, even Aaron Gordon played well. But, yeah, they need Porter to step up and put up, 30, 35 points, you know. This guy was supposed to be an undoubted number one pick. And I know coming out of college, I know the, you know, the injuries, you know, fell weight, you know, the last pick in the lottery. So this guy was touted to be the, uh, the next great superstar. And I, and he's got all the tools to do it. And now he just has to put it together 
for, you know, two, three, four straight games. And that's kind of been the thing. He's been a little bit too inconsistent over the years. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we've seen it in the bubble last year. He had some great games. And he had some games where he did nothing. And, we've, and, and this year he had a really good year, averaging 19 points a game. But is he, at, is he at that point where he's one of those top 25 players in the league? I don't think he is. But he could prove that in this series if he really steps up and steps up. But we'll see what ends up happening with Yoke, with, with Porter Jr. Because that's, that's the biggest key in this series. Biggest key in this series is can Porter Jr. step up? And I think he's going to have a pretty big series. And I think Jokic is going to have a really have a great series. too. So I think he's gonna, even going to play better than he did in game one. I think ultimately the Suns are the better team. And that's why I still got to win it in seven games. I, I still think the Nuggets are going to give him a fight. But I got... And I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a really good series, but I still got the Suns winning in seven. You still got the Suns in six? Yeah, I still got the Suns in six. Um, you know, I like the way Chris Paul played it that third, fourth quarter. Um, you know, late hitting shots, and I think yeah, he'll, he'll, you know, Chris Paul could be the difference maker for that for that team for the Suns. Um, even um, Bridges played really well. He had some big shots, and I love the way DeAndre has been playing. Um, I like the way the Suns are playing right now. I think they do. Find a way to get done in six games. Yes, yes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Game two tonight between the Nuggets and the Suns. So we're going to wrap up the NBA talking about a couple of coaches. I know I threw a curve with Jace where did add a coach with uh, Nate Bajorka and getting fired. But first we'll talk about Tom Thibodeau winning coach of the year and well-deserved. I mean, got the Knicks to the number four seed. Yes, the Knicks were not as good in the playoffs, but he got so much out of so many players. Julius Randle had a great year. Uh, you got R.J. Barrett improved. Emmanuel quickly had a really good year. Derek Rose just really was phenomenal ever since he was traded from the Pistons. He even got an MVP bow. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, Tom Thibodeau did a great job as Knicks head coach. He's bringing a culture back to the Knicks, defense first. Now they need Julius Randle to even get better to, 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 to try to emerge into that superstar because he isn't there yet. I don't think he's a borderline officer right now. He's not a superstar yet. And then ERJ Barrett to emerge into that superstar. And if, if those things happen, the Knicks are going to be a top team in the East for years to come. Yeah, you know – um, Definitely. I thought Tom Thibodeau should have won it. You know, Monty Williams and, and Quinn, Quinn Snyder, they both had great seasons, you know, what they both did with, with their respective teams. But I thought, yeah, with the Knicks, again, I think they were predicted to win like 22 games and be like the worst team in the NBA and getting, you know, have that number one pick going in, it going into the draft. And to be a four seed, um, it was really impressive. And yeah, they're, a lot of guys improved. They were so fun to watch offensively. Um, you know, the way Derek Rose played this team, you know, this Nick team's going to be fun to watch. And now they need that another, they need another guy, you know, they need another star. Um, cause Randall, yeah, Randall had an incredible year. We saw in the postseason, he struggled maybe next year, you know, we've seen it now and, it, and you know, you hope he plays better in the postseason, but yeah, Tom Thibodeau definitely deserves it. The way he, the way, cause that, that Knicks team did not have a ton of talent still. Guys stepped up, and Tom Thibodeau did a tremendous job with that team. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and he did a really good job with the Bulls when he was with the Bulls. He did, he did an excellent job there. Struck, didn't do a great job with the Timberwolves, but he did a really good job with the Bulls. And I think he changed a little bit. I think he's became a little bit more of a player's coach. And I think the one thing he's going to have to learn is he can't burn players out the way he did in Chicago and Minnesota. I think, but I do think he's learned. I think he's evolved. And I think this is a, this is one of the best Nick hires, one of the best things the Knicks have done in, in over in, in two decades yeah. is hiring Tom Thibodeau because he's changing the culture in New York. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he is. And and again, that, that, you know, even though they lost in five games and just, you know, you can just see the Nick fan base is just 
everybody's ex ex excited to have Tom Thibodeau because they know the Knicks are in good hands and you know the Knicks are going to, you know, yeah, be able to keep improving. Yeah, you know, as long as he kind of figures out that, yeah, you can't burn the starters out because I know, yeah, he really tended to stay away from his bench when, you know, a lot. But as long as he doesn't, you know, but if the Knicks can kind of build a good, solid, all-around team because they have a ton of cap, you know, being in New York and all that, they, you know, being a large market. So I think he, he's going to be able to have that bench. And I think, yeah, he'll learn it. He'll learn his lessons. And the future's bright in New York for first time in a while. Yeah, it's weird to say the future's bright in New York in terms of basketball. It's It's been a long time since we've said that. Long time. I think I was like nine years old the last time we said the future was bright in New York. So it's been a really, really long time since we've said that. But I, th I, I think it is. I really do. As a Knicks fan, I think the future – is bright in New York. I, 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 I'm, I'm really buying into what's going on there for the first time in, in, in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. You should be. You know, it's they're not the laughing. They're not a laughing stock anymore. And you know, Tom did a great job of making sure that that um that that was gonna be thrown out the window. And to do it in one year too, it was really impressive. So yeah, the Knicks finally done something right. And I think you know it's in this. It's only going to get better in the next, you know, five, ten years, you know, depending on how long Thibodeau stays for. Absolutely, absolutely. But moving on to a team that's turning into a laughing stock, and that's the Indiana Pacers. I mean, what they did last year, they fired Nate McMullen, which made no sense at all. Now they hire Nate Bajork when they fire him after one year. I, I don't know where this team is going, honestly, this Pacer team. I feel bad for a guy like DeMonte Sabonis because he's a really good player, and he's on a team that just has the front, off, front office that just has no direction. This team has clearly no direction. I think this team is going to be in the middle for a long time because they have talented players like Brogdon and Zabonis and LeVert, but they just have no direction. I mean, now that's going to, now they're on their third coach in three years. They, and they, I think they've already had to, had to acknowledge the mistake. They should have never fired Nate McMullen. That was a terrible mm -hmm. move. So I think the Pacers really are lacking direction right now. Absolutely. You know, and Nate McMullen, the way he's turned around Atlanta, I don't, I don't get why, what the Pacers did not see in him and, and firing him which was very ridiculous. I heard, um, you know, this coach, he lost a locker room, I guess, in year one, which is oh, wow. Wow. That's not good. So, <laughs> no, 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 um, no. They probably had to just fire him then. Yeah, they probably, yeah, they kind of, they had to, it sounds like. So, we, you know, yeah, it's, you know, the Pacers, they have some talent. They've had talent the last few years. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. And, yeah, you know, depending on who they hire next, I believe, yeah, they're probably going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. Again, probably being like a 7-8 and eight seed still. Yep. Like, you know, playing round continues. Maybe, you know, they can sneak into 9-10. and 10, But, yeah, not, you know, I don't see them being much better than that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, the Red Sox sweep the Yankees this weekend in the Bronx. And we'll be talking – we'll discuss that next. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. That is Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11, at 11 o'clock. So make sure you check out Tyler and Noah. Check out that podcast, Baseball with the Bard, every Sunday at 11. And they were at Yankee Stadium on Sunday for that Yankee Red Sox game. So they're, they're, dedicated, they're both dedicated fans. Tyler's a huge, huge Red Sox fan. 
I grew up in my town too. Went to my high school. Okay. Selected high school. Graduated 2014. So yeah, definitely support that podcast. Know a big Yankee fan too. So but definitely listen to baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11 o'clock. And outside of last, you can wipe away last night. We'll, we'll forget about last night. Yeah. We got to talk about how big of a disgrace the Yankees were this weekend against the Red Sox. I mean, how how pathetic were they? Especially on offense, their pitching wasn't great either. Their bullpen was pathetic. Uh, and the Red Sox, you got to give credit with the timely hitting. Devers. Right off Michael King, right off the bat, hits the hits the three run homer off Michael King to set the tone for the series. The Yankees lose five two on a, on Friday, Saturday. It's a three three game going to going to the eighth inning. Uh, then Chad Green blows it. They, uh, they, they lose seven to three, and then on Sunday they got a three to one lead in the in the uh, in the seventh. They give up the two run home run to Morgan Gonzalez. DJ LeMay draws the pop up. Uh, they, that cost them a run, and then Xander Bog, uh, then Deliver Torres ties the game. Give him credit for that. But Xander Bogarts coming up with a big hit, like he's done all year, all year, getting a big hit for the Red Sox. Red Sox end up winning that one six five and in ten innings, a sweep of the Yankees. Yes, last night, I know the Red Sox lost to the Astros, and the Yankees, uh, and the Yankees uh, beat the Twins. But Red Sox now four and a half games ahead of the Yankees. The Yankees are, I think, six games behind the Rays in, in the AL East. Yankees, I know they won last night. But they're but they're in danger of missing the playoffs, and Aaron Boone better be on the hot seat right now. Oh God, yeah, he he better be because that was that that was one of the worst you know one of the worst series I you know ever. Again, that that Tigers series two weekends ago was terrible. To not you know, and they kind of take the you, know, you started with that homestand they took two out of three against the Rays going into Thursday's getaway day with Garrett Cole in the mound and I know we'll get to Garrett Cole in a minute but you know you lose that and then you figure okay here comes Boston if the Boston Red Sox coming to town in a big series does not fire you up then I I don't know what will and I I thought you know in you know Michael King besides that one home run he gave up to Devers pitched well I thought Friday you know, um, and Saturday, um, um, uh, Tyone, yeah, Tyone, Tyone, yeah. Tyone pitched, pitched well. You know, I know he kind of, you know, if Van Duart catches that ball out in um left field, you know, it's a probably, it could have been a different story, you know, and, and Domingo Ramon leads with 3 1 lead. He gives out that bomb in the first inning to Verdugo, he settles in and pitches well once again. and yeah, the bullpen struggles. You know, Adam Adovino, Garrett Whitlock, two former Yankees come in here and shut them down. Um, and Alex Cora, once again, runs circles around Aaron Boone. And, you know. That's been happening. That's been happening too much. It happened in 2018, oh, yeah. the entire 2018 season. Uh, and it's happened this year. It's just happened too much. And if this doesn't continue, and I know I, I was mistaken, the Yankees are now, I think they're, uh, they're, they're, they're five games, they're six and a half out of first, five games behind the Red Sox. So, and then at least there's the second wild card. They're only two and a half games behind the Astros for the second wild card. But the Red Sox didn't help us out last night because they lost the Astros. But, but yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, this team just doesn't have it. I, mean, I really don't. I mean, the starting pitching, had, yeah, you're saying the start, and I was mistaken saying at the open that the starting pitching wasn't great. It was, it was still pretty good. I mean, the starting pitching has yeah. been decent. I mean, Cole's been Cole's been really good. Uh, uh, Ty, Tyone's been Tyone has been that good, but German and Montgomery have been decent. But and they do miss. They obviously miss Kluber because he's out for a couple months. Yeah. But if the hitting has been the major issue. The bullpen was an issue this week, but it's been really good throughout the season. The hitting has been the major issue. That's why the Red Sox are 
clearly better than the Yankees because of the offense. The offense is the biggest difference maker. I mean, the Reds, Verdugo's had a good year for the Red Sox, and then Bogarts, uh, J.D., and uh, Devers have had great years for the Red Sox. And the Yankees, they've really had one guy that's had a good year. And I know Glaber Torres has been hot recently, but the one guy that's had a good year has been Aaron Judge. That's it. That's it. Glaber Torres has gotten hot recently, but John Carlos Stanton's been terrible since he came off the DL. I know Gary Sanchez has been hot of late, and Joe was probably celebrating last time he hit that two-run homer against the Twins, but he's still hitting 217. Uh, I mean, Frazier's, Frazier, the outfield's been terrible. Frazier's been absolutely pathetic. Uh, and Dewar's and, starting to step up. And Dewar's starting to step up a night. little bit. He had a home run last time, but he still hasn't been good. This lineup yeah. has just been absolutely terrible. And 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 that's been the big that's the big reason why the Yankees are 32 and 29. They're six and a half games out of first place, and they're five games behind the Red Sox, and they'll be very lucky to get one to get one of the wild card spots right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a line, yeah, it's a lineup. And it's it's a team that mashes and you know, when you're not in that that walk-off home run that Clint Frazier had just shows you kids. He thought that was a no-doubter. That thing, you know, Manuel Margot almost robbed him. Like, it just shows the ball is dead in two now. So, they can't even make contact most nights. But the nights they do make contact, it's the ball's not jumping off the bat like it, like it has the last few years. And that's, you know, has hurt him. But it's just, and, um, I and kind of Sunday night, I saw something before the game. They're talking about Glaber and – you know, kind of his power struggles. And in 2000, you know, that big area, 38 home runs. He 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 went all, you know, he used the whole field to hit the home runs. The Yankees, the Yankees wanted them pull happy. And it's like his his hips flying open. And it's the same thing they did with Judge. Judge that rookie year when he fit the home runs. He used all he you know, he used all parts of the field. Now the Yankees want him to pull happy. I don't know why. I could see even the same thing with LeMayu because most of the time he's been out in front on stuff. Like he's trying to pull the ball. So I don't know if it, it sounds like they're trying to, you know, make him pull, pull happy. And I, you know, I don't get it because, you know, especially judge because he's so strong. He can flick, you know, he can check swing up, uh, you know, he can check swing and hit a home run over the um, right field wall. Like he's so strong. Him and Stan. So, yeah, it's the lineup, and, you know, again, it's just the Red Sox find ways to get timely hitting, and the Yankees do not. You know, Marlon Gonzalez, the big home runs you mentioned. Um, Kike Hernandez, too, he kind of got going this weekend as well. Like, it just – the Yankees just do not have guys that can hit timely hits. I know Odor's had a couple, but, you know, that's – you know, his average is what, like in the 140s right now? Like, you know – that's about it. Absolutely, it's it's been absolutely pathetic. This offense, it's, it's been awful. But luckily for the Yankees, they've they've been, they are able to play a team they've been beating for years. That's the Minnesota Twins. They continue to do that. Last night, winning eight to four off of Gary Sanchez's big home run in the ninth inning. And uh, this and tonight they got Garrett Cole on the mound. Hopefully that could be another win. And they and they Michael King does pitch against the former Yankee J. A. Happ on Thursday, so that'll be a tough game. But, uh, but then they also go to Philadelphia for only a two-game series. You get the day off Friday. Uh, they meet up with their old friend, Joe Girardi, who I still wish is the manager of this team. Oh, should yeah. still be the manager of this team. That's Huge true. mistake by Brian Cashman to fire him after 2017, not give him a new contract. Yeah. He should still be the manager of this team. Uh, they'll play the Phillies for a two-game set. And then they got Toronto. They do, and they, but they play the Phillies. They do skip seeing. They don't. They don't see uh, Nola or Wheeler, so they're lucky there. And then they go to uh, Buffalo, up to Buffalo, to face the uh, to face the Blue Jays. And uh, they've struggled against the Blue Jays this year, and they've definitely struggled in Buffalo, as you saw last year. So, and they'll, and they will see Hinge and Rue 
on uh, on Tuesday night. Even though they do a pretty good job with Hinjin Rue, he's had a really good year. Um, so, but they do have Garrett Cole pitching next Wednesday as well. So, on the road ahead, I feel like we'll stick with the Minnesota and the and the and the and the uh, Philadelphia series. They got to only lose one game of their next four. I think to stay in this race, they got to take two out of three from the Twins. They got to sweep the Phillies. So, I, I or at least sweep the Twins and then t- split with the Phillies. So, I, I want I want to be uh, I want them taking uh, winning uh, four of those five games in, in that series and keeping pace with the Astros and the Indians for that second wild card spot and even keeping pace with the Red Sox. And they still play the Red Sox. They still can catch the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch the Rays, but they still can catch the Red Sox. They still play, play the Red Sox 16 times. So to keep pace with those teams, they got to, they got to be beating the Phillies and they got to be beating the twins. Yeah. They got to go four and one. I know they're like one Oh four and like 10 or something like that. They get against the twins. Like they, I heard this morning, like they've been dominating against Minnesota Hopefully, yeah, they could sweep them. I think they do need to sweep them. They can get a split in Philly would be nice. I just, you know, you can't bank on it. And Stan's going to be out this weekend, you know. He's not playing this weekend. So, again, you know, you can cross his bat out for the next week because yeah, – He's not been he hitting needs... anyway. So, it doesn't matter. He's not been hitting anyway. So, it doesn't but matter. He, I know, I know. But you can see he hits when he's actually gets at bats and he gets his room and the timing down. That's the key for him. And when you bench him two days against the Red Sox, even – I'll take the strikeouts if it's that he's going to go on a tear like he did back in May. Like, it, I'll take it. You know, they need him in the lineup. You know, he's just an opposing figure up there. But, yeah, they have to go 4-1. I don't see it happening. I see, you know, I just – this lineup I just don't trust enough right now. I, I think hopefully they go 3-2. and two. Um, And, yeah, they got to keep pace because the Astros don't lose right now. The Indians have a great rotation. You hope they can get Boston, but you can't count on that right now. So, because it sounds like Chris Hill, Chris Sale's getting ready to go for rehab, Simon. So, they're going to get even better. So, yeah, they, they have to go 4-1. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And there was even more bad news yesterday for the Yankees. As Garrett Cole had a press conference uh, talking about using spider tack, a, uh, you know, a, a foreign substance. And he was very, very, you know – beat around the bush for it. Like, I don't know why we use it and all the other stuff. This could end up being more trouble for the Yankees if he gets, if he was caught, if he ends up being caught using this. Yeah, it, it could be. And every time you listen to Garrett Cole in a press conference, he always says the right things. And he's always, he never gets tripped up like something like this. And you, you kind of figured he was using something because he's always kind of tipping the cat, you know, kind of tipping the cap, trying to, you know, Getting something on his finger. So you figured he, you know, he's using something. Um, but I was very, very surprised with his answer of just kind of, yeah, beating around the bush. And it just not like him. And it'll be interesting tonight because Josh Donaldson called the model on it. So the only event Donaldson tonight will be. Ooh, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be a must see at bat there, Donaldson yeah. and Garrett Cole. That'll be a must see at bat. Yeah. Even though I, I know Garrett Cole won't go throwing at him, but, it, you know. It'll, it'll be interesting if he tries to back him off the plate a bit or something. I you know, um, and see what Cole does. But yeah, you know, this is this is worrisome because Thursday star. I know he said he missed a couple of locations. He probably should have used a different pitch. But the first game, you know, after a couple of minor leaguers got suspended for pitchers got suspended for using um, illegal substance. You know, on the balls, his first start he was not great. He gave up five runs his most all year so little concern but you know hopefully he's good enough to figure it out 
Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And we'll be tracking this story uh, for a while uh, with Garrett Cole. But we have to talk about the team that swept the Yankees this weekend, and that's the Red Sox. And the Red Sox are really overachieving this year. I mean, it showed, showed why they are what they are this weekend. I mean, the key hitting. How about Morwin Gonzalez? He has some huge hits this weekend, yeah. especially on especially on Saturday. He had a humongous hit on Sunday to tie the game. Obviously, Xander Bogarts was big. Raphael Devers setting the tone with that three-run homer. So, I mean, I, this Red Sox team, they're hitting the ball. Their starting pitching has been pretty good. Givaldi's got seven wins. Uh, Pavetta's, so yeah, guys like Givaldi, Pavetta have stepped up. Martin Perez had a tough start last night against the Astros, but and Richards has pitched better. So, you've had un- unheralded guys stepping up, and Garrett and Chris Sale might be coming back too. So, I, I, I think, you know, Matt Barnes has, yeah, outside, even though he blew the save on, uh, on, on Sunday night, he's been really good as, a, as the closer. So, I mean, yes, the, the depth of the rotation and the depth in the bullpen is definitely a question mark. But I feel like with Alex Cora, this Red Sox team is in great position. And I don't know about winning the division. I think the Rays are the better team. But I think they're in really good position to, go, to get to the postseason. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you yeah, you saw it this weekend. They This is a team that, you know, they find – they get guys a timely hitting. They may not be great at times. And, yeah, their lineup may be, you know, top-heavy, you know, with Verdugo, Martinez, Devers, Bogarts. But – when they need a big hit, you know, they find it. I think Christian Arroyo came up with a big hit Monday against the Marlins in the makeup game. You know, and another guy they kind of just signed out of the blue. Like, yeah, even, you know, Danny Santana has struggled recently. It's kind of been that leadoff spot that they can't find. They can't find that leadoff guy. And, you know, it could get very scared if they find somebody or add somebody. But, yeah, this, this team's going to be in contention. And, uh, yeah, Cole, it's – he, I mean, for sale, um, he was pitching or he was throwing at Fenway the other day. It sounds like maybe in a few weeks he goes on the rehab trip. And now they're saying maybe around the all-star break or a little bit after the all-star break. So it was before August. He may be back three three weeks earlier now. So um, yeah, and you add that guy to the mix, just makes that rotation even better. So, yeah, you know, the Red Sox, again, it's a fun, it's a team, and you can see it too in the dugouts. That Red Sox team's having fun at all times, and they want to be there. And you look at the Yankees dugout, and at times it looks like, you know, they'd rather be anybody anywhere else in the world. So um, that's part, you know, I think of two different managers as well, um, kind of. And, yeah, um, the Red Sox right now, they're, they're going to they're, they're gonna be in it for the long haul. Oh, yeah, I think this weekend proof they're in it. For for, for until September, they're in it. They're in the race. They're going to be in the race this week. This this weekend proved it. I mean, sweeping the Yankees. It, it's much different than last year for them. I mean, when Ron Renneke was here, and pretty much almost it's kind of the same team, and it's just a much different. Yeah. The man, the, the difference with the man, the difference in man with the manager is just is, has made a total difference with the Red Sox. I mean, it. I mean, just it's almost the same team, but it's just a different attitude because the Yankees owned them last year. Yankee Stadium. Oh. I don't even know if the Red Sox won a game at Yankee Stadium last year. Know. And but the, but this year is totally different. They, they they go in there, they sweep them. They made a statement this weekend. They made a statement saying we're going to be competing for the AL East, and we're going to be we're we're probably going to be a playoff team this year. They made a statement this weekend. The Red Sox. That's what they did. Oh yeah, absolutely, they did. And you know, I don't think it helped that Brett Gardner made those comments about the Red Sox and Alex Cora either Thursday because the Red Sox backed up Alex Cora, and the Yankees did not at all back up their words. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, you know, Alex Ford has done a tremendous job. And, you know, I know they're talking about, you know, 19 and that, like, road trip that they kind of started the season off and they went, like, two, three for 10. And, you know, they were kind of hammering core back then because, 
you know, not really hammering, but they, you know, had a kind of a problem, you know, he's kind of blaming the schedule and, and kind of saying, oh, we, you know, we're just not ready yet. So, and, you know, kind of look problematic. You know, obviously 19 was a problem for him coming out the World Series. But, yeah, last year the team just – they kind of looked like, you know, um, um, emotion-wise, they kind of just looked like they should Yankees. Like they didn't really want to be there. And, and Ron wasn't the kind of fiery kind of guy that – to want – you know, to make him kind of get the – you know, the, the – get him – push him through. So, yeah, it, it's – it's totally different with the manager. They love, you know, all the players speak about how they love Alex Cora and all that and how he has been the difference in this team. And obviously it, it shows. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we look at the road ahead of the Red Sox. We've got two more games with the Astros at home. Uh, obviously you got Evaldi going tonight against, uh, against Odorizzi and you got Granke against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, I, I think they, I think they lose two out of three because one of the one down, the one thing that uh, the Reds, one thing, one player who hasn't been as that good for the Red Sox has been Eduardo Rodriguez. He struggled this year. I think he continues to struggle. I think they lose to the Astros on on Thursday, and I think they beat the uh, Astros tonight. And then they get the big series against the Blue Jays. Four game series where the Yankees host the where the Blue Jays host the Yankees in Buffalo. They got a four game series. Uh, the Red Sox got a four game series where they host the Blue Jays. Richards against Stripling on uh, on Friday. Pavetta against Mats on Saturday. Perez against Ray on Sunday. And Ivaldi against, uh, I can't remember, I can't pronounce the Blue Jays pitcher's name on Monday, but I think yeah, this um, is, what do you say? It's like um, Manoa, I think. Manoa, I think Manoa, Alex Manoa. Yeah, yeah. We'll, for the Blue Jays on Monday. Okay, okay. But this is a series for the Red Sox. They could put the Blue Jays away. They could put the Blue Jays away. If they could take three out of four from the Blue Jays, they would They pretty much, I don't think they could catch the, I, I, they, the Blue Jays are probably not going to catch the Rays, and I don't think they catch the Red Sox. If they, if they if the Red Sox can take three out of four at home against them this weekend. So this is a big series for the Red Sox, and I think they do take three out of four at home. I think the Red Sox are in a direction where they have better starting pitching than the Blue Jays. I think their lineup is as good as the Blue Jays, and they obviously have the better bullpen than the Blue Jays. So I think this weekend, I think the Sox, I think in the next uh, six games, I think they go. I think they go four and two. I think they continue their hot play. Yeah, I'm with you. I think yeah, I think those. Excuse me. I think they'll split the next two here against the Astros, and yeah, I think they take out three out of four. You know, um, I think they have Ryu. Blue has Ryu on the mound. I think they'd probably get that one. Maybe get like a split in the series, but yeah, the way the Red Sox have been playing, the Blue Jays have been playing well too. But right now, I just this Red Sox team, and even Fenway. Fenway is you know it, it's been loud and, and you know the crowd's back there and um you know i think yeah i think they're gonna play well this weekend in front of the home crowd against, against the blue jays and you know again just pad their lead even kind of more on you know on the blue jays make it pretty much possible for them to catch up Yep, Fenway back at 100. percent So you're gonna, I think you're gonna hear that Fenway crowd this weekend. They're gonna get behind this Red Sox team because potentially the Bruins are gonna be out of it. So you're gonna hear that Fenway crowd be really, really loud this weekend for their series against the Blue Jays. So we got the biggest, we have the biggest game at the Nassau Coliseum in almost 30 years. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in every Saturday at ten. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. 
Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave, feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. That is throwing jabs every Saturday at 11 a.m. Make sure you check that out. Joe, Jace, and Jared, make sure you check that out every Saturday at 11 a.m. throwing jabs. But we're going to wrap up the show talking about the NHL playoffs. And uh, tonight we got a humongous game on the Islands. Knowing last year, that I know the Islanders made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they couldn't play any home games at Nassau Coliseum. So this is the biggest game, in my opinion, at Nassau Coliseum in almost 30 years. I think since the 93 season. When the island, I think when the Islanders played the Canadians in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, humongous game at Nassau Coliseum. Islanders up 3-2. They got a ton of momentum off that 5-4 win over the Bruins in Game 5. And I think they do it tonight. I really, really think they do it tonight. I think they clinch it tonight. I think they knock the Bruins out tonight. I think Barry Trotz did an excellent job with this team. And I think he gets the Islanders back into the Final Four. But the question is, Justin, first, what do the Bruins have to do to get to win to, to, to win this series to win the last two games of this series stay out of the box the islanders were three power play goals the other night and i think they have six or seven now in the series the islanders the the bruins have been beat because the bruins have dominated you know and two of the three islander wins the bruins have dominated the bruins had 19 shots in the third period the other night the islanders had 18 total in the entire game um the bruins have to stay out of the box because they're the better team uh, when they're five on five and they've been able to show it. They got to stay out of the box. Um, they got to take the early lead tonight. They got to put the pressure back on the Islanders because obviously they, obviously the Islanders do not want to go back to Boston for a game seven. They have to put the pressure on them early. And the last, the last thing is um, goalie wise. I don't Bruce Cassidy said Tuga Rast this morning is healthy. He did not look comfortable Monday night. Um, he wasn't, he didn't even, um, participate in the morning skate Monday. Cause there was rumors that it was going to be, um, on uh, the backup Sean way, uh, that was going to get the start and Tuka, you could see early on did not look comfortable, missed some shots that he usually saved. So if Tuka grass is healthy, he's got to play a good game tonight. He's got to keep his team in it. Even if he's not healthy and he wants to go out there and play, he's got to be a hundred times better because, um, you know, He's got to, you know, again, his, his team has gotten him enough points and goals to be able to win win, win the series. He's got to be able to um, make some big saves for him tonight. Oh, he's got to be great for them to win. He's he's got to be he's got to be really good, or really good for them to win. He cannot be what he was Monday night because they're not they're not winning on the island with him playing the way he played Monday night. That's just that's just not happening. Oh no, absolutely not. No, and it's tough to beat anybody. You give up five goals, and you know, I think if that game went another five minutes, I. I would think the Bruins would have went to OT, would have made it to OT, maybe even won an OT. But, um, yeah, he, he's got to be a lot better tonight in, in that. Um, he's Yeah, because, you know, that guy crowd's going to be rocking. And um, his team's done enough where he should be able to help them out and be able to get them to win. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And at least this leads me to my next question. Uh, Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo doing a great job with this Islander team. What do they have to do tonight to close out the series at Nassau Coliseum? Um, continue to play physical with them. You know, this, both these teams I played really, really physical. Um, the Islanders have done a good job in front, blocking shots. Um, obviously, for them too, you know, um, you know, the chippy, it's been a very chippy series. I don't know if you've heard what both coaches have. I, I saw I saw, I saw on Monday night it was chippy, and Cassie got fined yeah. for, for, for criticizing the officials. I saw that. Yeah, you know, it, it's – I think the Bruins – or I mean, I think the Islands have gotten away with a couple calls that the Bruins have – or the Bruins have been called for a couple more penalties than the Islanders have that probably should have been called. Um, you know, and Trot called uh, Bergeron a cheater on the face-offs, and then – they kicked him out a couple face-offs the other night. So, um, you know, for the Islanders, kind of keep doing what you're doing. Um, get on the power play, you know, take advantage. Again, they, they've had some good puck luck too, which you need. You know, if the puck keeps kind of bouncing your way, you know, they got to take advantage of it. Um, for them too, it's kind of for them too. They, they kind of take the early lead in this game. Um, Kyle Parmer, um, so he's got six goals in the playoffs coming over for the Anaheim Ducks in a trade. He's been unbelievable. They got to continue to get him going, keep him going. Matt Barzell, I believe, had the goal. Barzell had, Barzell had a really good game on, 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 Monday, uh, yep. on Monday, yep. Yeah, so, again, if those two can kind of keep doing what they're doing, um, be able to put a couple points up, um, I think the Islanders should be able to take care of business tonight. So, if you are the Lightning, who would you rather play, the Bruins or the Islanders? Would you want the rematch with the Islanders from the conference finals last year or the rematch with the Bruins from the conference semifinals last year? I'd probably rather face the Islanders just because I think the Bruins are the, Bruins are the better team um, out there. And I think, you know, the Islanders-wise, the you know, for the Lightning, the Lightning could beat you anyway. Like the Lightning can get in a shootout and they'll beat you there. And the Lightning can win a two-one game um, with Vasilevsky. Um, he's been probably the you know him and probably been probably the two best goalies in this playoffs. But I'd probably rather face the Islanders just because um, you know it's a team because the Bruins have kind of beat themselves in the series, and the Lightning are a team that's want you know obviously the Bruins have once they've had guys that win the cup, but. Obviously, Lightning won it last year. They don't beat themselves like the Bruins really have in the series, I feel like. Um, and I feel like um, the Islanders don't really have the firepower to knock off the Lightning either. And because I, you know, the way the Lightning have play, I think they could probably get three, four goals. And again, they're not going to give the Islanders extra chances, you know. Um, and I and I may rush it so and just are and the lightning, you know, can stay out of the box against them. So I'd rather face the Islanders on the lightning. So we'll go to the other series, and that is between the in the West in the West and the I mean the the it's the West, is it the Western yeah, Division? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah with the with the with the uh, Golden Knights and the Avalanche and, and the Golden Knights got a big, big win uh over the Avalanche uh last night. They won in overtime. Three to two to to uh, and they're one win away from heading to to the to the uh, final four. I'm going to say final four of the NHL for the third time in four years. As we remember, they got to the conference, they got to the Stanley Cup final in their expansion year. Lost the Penguins last year. They lost the Stars in the conference finals. Uh, but for the Avalanche, what do they have to do to win the next two games to advance to the final four? 
Um, it's for Colorado. You know, again, they were they were six minutes away from going up three on the series, and they just <clears throat> again last night they just could not put the game away, and they're up two nothing going the third period, and, and Vegas strikes for two goals in five minutes uh, or four minutes to tie that game up, and then Mark Stone uh, won the game winner in a minute in, and the Avalanche ten seconds in OT they had a chance to win it, and um, Flurry made a nice stop. Uh, for Colorado, they got it's got so it's got to be finishing for Colorado. If you got the lead late in the game, third period, you got to be able to find a way to put put the game away. Um, Flurry's played really, really well. It's it's no shock. I don't know why Pittsburgh let him up for um, or did not protect him when Vegas um, went through expansion because he's been really, really good. Um, you know, and, and for that, and for Colorado, their first line. They scored 13 of the 20 goals they scored, so they got to continue that first line of, um, to be able to kind of be the top guys around. They get because the rest of the lines have you know have struggled, and they they need those that top line to be able to put up some points against them. They got to put up some points early on against the Golden Knights in Game Six because it's a great atmosphere out in, in Vegas for those games. They love the Knights so. You got to, again, kind of put the pressure back on Vegas and have to make them go back to uh, Colorado for Game 7 on Saturday night. What do the Golden Knights have to do to clinch it in Vegas on Thursday? Mark andre Fleury has got to continue to be the goalie that he's been. He's been, you know, let in one, um, an odd one, right before the buzzer last night, which is uncharacteristic. But for the most part, he's been great. You know, continue to play well in front for him. Um, again, he's a guy that's, he's won a lot of games in the, in the postseason. He knows, you know, um, again, you can get him a couple goals as well, like two, three goals. You're going to be able to, to, to win the game because he, he, you know, um, he's good enough, obviously to, you know, he's not going to let, you know, a bunch of goals get in, um, get by him. So for him, continue to be the guy. Um, for Vegas, you know, they got Mark Stone going last night. Um, he's got – he played really well last night. They got to continue. He's kind of their their big guy. Um, he's got to continue as well to kind of feed off this, that kind of top line too, Patch Reddy, Alex Bertrangelo in the back end um, as well. And then for them too, for Vegas, they got to start faster. You know, they, they've had a couple comebacks in the series – but they, they really do have to put the, the avalanche on their heels. Um, again, they're good enough to kind of come back in, 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 in the third period and get you from behind. But you don't really want to make a, a – um, you don't want to really make that consistently because you're not going to – you're not going to be able to do it every time. So for Vegas, get out to a fast start in, uh, on Thursday night because also, too, that, that crowd, they, they love hockey out in Vegas. And um, – you know, again, they probably want to know if they can finish it. They're going to probably be, but you know, I think they'll probably be, they'll, they'll beat Montreal in the Western Conference Finals. So, um, yeah, just get that crowd, keep that crowd into it early on. This leads me to my next question. Uh, the back, there will be two questions we'll wrap up with. Uh, are the, uh, should the winner of this series be the favorite to win the Stanley Cup? And, uh, if you're the Canadians, who would you rather play? The Canadians, who, um, I'd probably face Colorado. I'd probably want Colorado. 
just because of Mark Andre Fleury, I think because Montreal, they're not great offensively. Carey Price has been unbelievable in this postseason. Uh, and Phil Garber, he's been good back in, you know, goaltending wise for the Avalanche, but um, a younger guy that hasn't been there. So I think you'd rather face Colorado than Vegas. Colorado's very explosive. And Carey Price has bailed Montreal a bunch of times in this postseason. So. I'd rather face the Avalanche um, over Vegas. And um, right now, it's whoever wins this in Tampa. Um, I think Tampa, the way they've been playing the postseason, I know these are two of the best teams. These are the two best teams in the Western Conference. But I really like the way Tampa's been playing just because of the way they play. Because, as I mentioned before, they can, they can play in a shootout. They can play in a tight game. A two to one game. I mean, and they can they can beat you any way that you want to play. They'll beat you. Um, it's a team that last year won it as well. They have a lot of talent. Um, now they they have Kucherov back in the full season. Um, yeah, because did they have Kucherov in the regular season? No. Yeah, and that's the problem. First... And, and that's why they were. And that's why they were were what they were. That's why they were like yeah. the three seed in like seed, the yeah, third seed in the southern in the southern in the southern division because they didn't have Kucherov. I, in my opinion, let's be honest. I think because they're experienced. I think Tampa Bay is better than the. Uh, than the, than the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. I think they'll give them a good series in the fi- in the Stanley. Should give them a good series in the Stanley Cup final. But I think they're better than than either one of those two teams. I think I think they'll beat the they'll definitely beat the Islanders and Bruins in my opinion. But I, you never know in hockey. But I think they'll definitely beat the Islanders and Bruins. I think the Lightning beat. My prediction for the Stanley Cup right now is I think the Lightning beat the Golden Knights or the Avalanche. Yeah, you know that's yeah. I got I got the Lightning right now. Probably, I got being on Vegas probably six seven games. I, I want to see Vegas one because I do not like the Lightning because they're they pretty much turned into Rangers South. So exactly, I it's all it's all the people it. the Rangers gave up. <laughs> yep, so I can't stand the Lightning, and, and, and they beat the Rangers in 2015 too. Yeah, Ryan Callan too, and yeah. yeah, I can't yeah, stand yeah. Callan. I used yeah. to love Callan. I can't stand him now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you know, um, I, I think right now the Lightning right now are the best team. They played well. Carolina has a lot of young talent. Um, they played well. They got to shut out last night. And I think that um Vasilevsky right now, I, I do think is the best goalie in the in, in um in the NHL right now. Him, Price, and Fleury are my top three left. And that's how you need to win a Stanley Cup, too. You know, hot goaltender. And Vasilevsky's yeah. done that. You remember the Bruins, you know, back in 2011, it was Tim Thomas who was yeah. great. And then the obviously the Rangers for years, the big the biggest reason why they got to the Stanley Cup final in 2014 was because of Lundquist. The hot yeah. goalie gets you far in, in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely, and that's what the Lightning have, and I think that's why they're going to be able to uh, carry that carry that to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll be talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll be talking about the Stanley Cup for the first time. The first time, the only time I'll ever say say this: the Stanley Cup semifinals. We'll be talking about those next week. So, so we'll be so we'll be talking about that. But that's going to wrap it up for sports talk with RNJ. For Jace Garcia, our producer did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, talking Yank Sox, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? Fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on.
For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m.